What's up, guys? It's me, DJ Thomas, back on episode number three of Podcast Frequency Interrupted. Today, I have two guests. Philip Adams, he's a criminal and personal injury attorney. And Greg Walker, he is actually a instructor for the police academy. And he is on the SWAT team. Yeah. What's up, guys? How are y'all? Hey, how's it going? Baby, I'm good. <laughs> well, um, I guess we'll get started. Uh, since it's National Donut Day, I did bring some donuts. <laughs> Greg, I'm going to tear this up, boy. You, know, you can't come in here with a cop. With <laughs> well, I'm going to get started with you, man. Um, All right. Uh, we kind of like to jump into into it here uh, for the listeners. Kind of give us a background on uh, who you are and kind of where you come from and how you come up in the game and where you're at now. So, you know, if you want to just yeah, man, give I, me some info. Man, I, I, re- I grew up here, of course. Uh, I left here just for a brief time, lived in Dallas for a little while, uh, changed careers. And, man, I grew up uh, pretty much, uh, my extended family was pretty much military. And uh, I grew up in the 80s, so I was really into, uh, well, my gran- one of my, my grandfathers was in the Marine Corps, and I had some family that were going to the Marine Corps, and I was okay. always fascinated with the Marine Corps, so... 80s movies back in the day was like action, <laughs> you know, Chuck Norris stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I really dug that kind of stuff, and it was kind of romanticized, so I wanted to go into the military, but I didn't go that way. My, You know, my mom and uh, some folks wanted me to be a pastor, so I kind of went that way. Okay. I didn't know that. Nice. Yeah, got out of college, and I was like, man, this is not for me, so I thought, what else could I do? And about that time, it was around 9-11, or a little bit after, and I thought, man, I just want to give back. So I tried to get in the military, but they uh, they uh, I got so far to the swearing in before we swore in, they found out I had asthma. Okay, and so they wouldn't let me. So I thought, well, where else can I serve? Well, I also had family that were cops, and I grew up with cops, and so I just thought, man, I, I could serve and be a cop. What year was this? Uh, two thousand. I started the whole process in about two thousand three. Okay, I think or two thousand two. So. Okay. Well, when nine eleven happened, right after that, I tried the military thing. And the recruiter I had was pretty badass. I mean, uh, he got me so far, but he was like, hey, dude, look, if they find out you have asthma, you know, they'll dishonorably discharge you, and you got to get through boot camp. So right. at that time, I don't think I was as strong mentally as I am now. And, man, sometimes I keep myself in the book because I think I could have made it through. I think I could fine. But anyway, fast forward. So I put in everywhere. And so uh, everywhere, Texas, uh of course, Louisiana and Shreveport, man, just said, hey, man, we want you. So I just came over and I thought, man, if I was going to do something on the police force, what would I want to do? And I just thought, man, I want to be a SWAT operator. So that's what I did, dude. So I just you started out there. You didn't even no, no, I started out patrol. Okay, yeah, patrol. I started. I went to the academy, went through patrol, uh, dotted the I's, crossed the T's, worked real hard. And the process for the team was pretty much you had to do three years. You have to do a, a battery of tests, including psychological, you know, you polygraph stuff, your uh, uh, your physical stuff, your shooting, a lot of shooting, then an interview, and then they decide, and then they may not want you or not. And so I did all that work, and I ended up making it. Uh, and at the same time, I was in narcotics. And uh, so all that was kind of going at the same time. And I got married at the same time. I mean, it was all kind of a lot of stuff. Going right, on. yeah. And uh so, man, uh, to make a long story short, I just I really just worked my tail off. And then uh, now uh, I'm at I've just recently was uh, transferred to the academy to train. I'm also the training coordinator for the SWAT team. I'm also a team leader of operations. And that's, you know, I mean, I love doing what I'm doing. Dude. I like well, but you have to to do that. I mean, yeah. even still to be able to actually go through the motions. A lot of police officers don't, you know, they, I guess they just do patrol and make it to detective or captain or whatever it is, the rankings, and then yeah. retire eventually, right? But yeah, you took everybody it, you took has a different, their way. Right. You know I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you took a different I never approach. wanted to be a detective. I didn't care about all that. 
Right. You're, you're more on the hands-on. Yeah, I want hands-on to blow shit up. Dude. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know what I mean? I know I'm saying that <laughs> not a defense attorney, but, uh, you know. Fun side. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to be, I really just wanted to go after the, I really wanted to serve the country, but also, I really wanted the bad guy back. Guy. Right. You know what I mean? That's the way I looked at it. You know, I didn't care about writing tickets. You know, that has its place. Of course. I, I, well, every, I, guess I didn't really care about all that. And I didn't really care about me. the dope aspect of it. But uh, understanding narcotics was that, you know, the basis of everything we kind of deal with is based around narcotics. Honestly, if you're talking about burglaries or car theft or robberies, a lot of it has to do with either domestic or it has something to do with dope. Yeah. So that's how I had to get, I had to do dope in order to be on a SWAT team. Okay. So I, it was kind of a dual thing. And yeah. it ended up being the SWAT team. And now, yes. you know. Yes. Okay. Well, what about you, Philip? Uh, well, my background is a little bit unorthodox in terms of how I got into the legal field. Uh, I grew up in Natchitoches Parish in a small town called Marthaville. It doesn't even have a single red light. So it's when I, I say small, it's small. Most people don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I did very small, there. very small town. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, but I kind of grew up in a traditional family in some sense. My dad was a small business owner. He owned an HVAC business. My mom was a homemaker. I had four brothers, so we had a wow. big family growing up. Yeah. Uh, and you know, had in some ways a an idyllic uh, childhood, a really good childhood. Because um, we, you know, we had access to the woods, we could you know play outside, uh, you know, go for a ride and have a lot of fun. But um, so then went to high school in Natchitoches. I was a brainiac in school, was a straight A student. Uh, then went to university at Northwestern State in Natchitoches, and was actually a mathematics major. Whoa, okay, which, that's, yeah, that's a it's, complete it's, shift there. Yeah, and it's and that's I say that I entered the legal profession in an unorthodox fashion because. I, I was the only math major that I knew of in my law school class. The majority of uh, my entering classmates were liberal arts majors who would major in things like history, English, uh, and other liberal arts fields. But so I kind of approached law from a, a, a very technical, you know, scientific mindset in some ways. And I, I think that helps me because it, I pay attention to detail. I'm very meticulous in how I work my cases. Uh, but... The main reason why I got into law was because I wanted to be able to help people. Every case that comes to me, I view as being a chance to, you know, turn something that's usually, you know, bad into something right. good if I yeah. can. Uh, because people usually don't go large because they're happy. They come to us because they have problems. Of course. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how I got into the field of law. And you've so. done, and you've already been through, so you you actually worked in the court system early on, and then you went to work for a acting, um, I guess, lawyer who already had a practice, and yeah. now you're out on your own. You have your own practice now. Yes, I do. So uh, to give you more detail, you know, I went through law school, and while I was in law school, I did clerk with the East Baton Rouge Parish District Attorney's Office. So I worked in a prosecutor's office with probably over 50 prosecutors. I enjoyed doing that. Uh, I worked as a special assistant ADA um, prosecuting misdemeanors and felonies. So I've been on both sides. Right, that's what I say. So now you're on the other side. So and that's interesting. Side. So you can understand both. Yeah. And um, well, I mean, it's awesome that we got both of you here today because you're both on two completely different sides of the system. But it's funny how those paths cross and you can actually work together and stuff. So and getting into the meat of it, I actually wanted to talk about 
you know, what it is and where you come from, the hard work and what pushed you forward and, and, and what it is you're doing. And it seems to me that both of you are doing what you're passionate about. And that's kind of what I want to get. I, I repeat this every podcast to my listeners, but the value, the nuts and bolts of what we're doing here is getting this information out to you guys so you can understand what it is you can do with the energy you have. If you're passionate about what it is you're looking to do, whether it be school, um, going to a college and becoming an attorney or going into, you know, the actual law officer field and working your way up there, whatever it may be, you can do it. And um, so, I mean, man, let's just let's just go. Let's, let's freestyle a little yeah. bit, man. I think like what what is it? How do you guys cross paths in the terms of the system? Like where it goes from you taking someone and arresting them to someone seeking an attorney for defense in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, you just really said it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's really that easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something happens and uh, you get an attorney. And, yeah. You know, you run into him and he says, hey, man, I got it. And that's, <laughs> and then, you know, you, you really don't know until you, you know, go to a preliminary exam or something like that, that, you know, let's just say that I arrested somebody and I see, that would be the first time I would see him. You know what I mean? Right. We wouldn't really talk. It would be more of a uh, I man. It's a especially he's defend, def- get, yeah. He's defending someone you arrested. Yeah, yeah. And typically, filler it just really comes down to the detail and you know why you did what you did. And that's right. how we run into one another. I mean, okay. You know, and Philip, on that side, you're you're defending someone that the police officer arrested. Right. And so it's always interesting because the police officer pre- presenting evidence um, against your client, and you're there to you know, defend your client from prosecution. Yeah, my the way that I view my job in some in in, in some ways is to I'm not gonna say police to police because that, that that's probably a loaded phrase, but my you know, both of us play a very important role in the system, you know. Right. I'm thankful that we have law enforcement officers. I would not want to live in a society in which we did not. Um, and you know they play a very important role and the overwhelming majority of police officers, you know, are very competent at what they do. My job is to kind of come in and make sure that uh, the evidence holds water, so to speak, right. to, to test it and make sure that all T's were crossed and all I's dotted, that, you know, crucial witnesses weren't neglected, that uh, things weren't overlooked. Mm-hmm. And so I don't come in trying to fabricate evidence because that wouldn't work anyway. Right. You know, the prosecutor is going to have whatever evidence the prosecutor has, and the same with what law enforcement officers present to the prosecutor. My job is just to make sure that evidence can stand up to scrutiny. Cool. So. Well, I have to ask this question because we're here. Greg, have you ever been in a situation where you're, you butted heads with an attorney? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I mean, Man, I tell mean, me a little bit about that. Not going into detail on the case, but, you know. How- uh, let's see. Uh, I remember <laughs> one time, uh, I'm not going to name the attorney. Of course. I remember one time the uh, we were in court. And the attorney, okay, so it was just a misdemeanor. And the truth is, is I didn't even really know why we were really going. He wanted to go to trial, which that's his right. Right. It was kind of one of the, to me, at least in my opinion, I've been doing this for 15 years. So you know what's, you know, bull crap and you know what's not. You know, it's all, it is a, it, to a degree, not everything. So, you know, 
don't quote me when I say that it's a game, but it's a game. Yeah. I mean, so, and I don't mean that lightly. I mean, we, in my opinion, you have to have a law. You have to have something to follow. Yeah, it's like a chess dead. match almost, right. isn't it? I mean, you'd be the walking dead if you didn't have right. it. Right. But anyway, in this particular situation, it was, a, it was after a Mardi Gras thing. And at Mardi Gras, man, young people. Well, you got to tell everybody what Mardi Gras is, man. Or, you know, I'll, I'll jump in real quick. Yeah, so go. we are, right now we're in Louisiana. Um, we're in North Louisiana. Mardi Gras originated in South Louisiana. And I believe it dates back to some French celebration. Yeah, you ask him, dude. Yeah, he, he probably does. Yeah. yeah, but basically, um, we we take very big pride, like a lot of pride, in celebration of this time of year every year. And it comes to, uh, actually in the winter months, January, February is when Mardi Gras season kicks off, and. It's just usually a big ass party. A lot of people drinking. Yeah. I'm sure a lot usually of young. And what we're saying right. is young is like seventeen. Yeah, yeah, 16, underage, underage, up to you know yeah. mid twenties, and you you know a lot. Not of, that people don't do that. No, right. But of it's course. just that out it's, in that environment, doing it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. They don't know how to do it yet. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're not seasoned veterans yeah. partying. Yet. <laughs> so, uh, but basically, yeah. So go back to it, man. So anyway, so uh, ends up being a fight. This guy that I end up dealing with ends up punching another officer. Well, the deal is, was that for court wise, I don't know what he was thinking, but I guess a buddy had filmed it all. Well, he was saying that he was innocent. You know what I'm saying? He said, well, I didn't do that. Self-defense you tackled me and, okay, yeah. and you hurt me. And yeah, you know how it goes. I didn't do shit. You know, it, yeah. well, you may not know how it goes, but that's what I hear. Right. That, or, you know, that's what you hear. Constantly. Right. Got the wrong dude. You're an asshole. I hate the cops. Fuck y'all. It's all that stuff. Yeah. Sorry about that, bomb. But that's just the that's the way it goes. Anyway, uh, so uh, to okay, so the guy I end up we end up tussling with the guy. I tussle with the guy. I end up putting him in handcuffs. And the dude's only like 18, but his dad is an attorney, but in, in a sister city. Okay. So he's running, you know, running it down. How his dad's going to do this and right. that. And I'm like, dude, just tee it up. Let's go to court. I'll see yep. you there. Whatever. See you there. So when we got, what I really thought was when we went to court that we weren't going to, I mean, I honestly thought it'd be a plea and be, that's what it is. Because what happened was, was I saw the video and what they call discovery. And I can, I mean, I'll let the attorney talk about what that is. <laughs> In the video, it's, pl- I mean, it's plain as day what's going on. I mean, it's like, it shows him and he still wants to go to trial. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding? I mean, really, you're really wasting our time, but that's okay. I mean, right. that's what you want to do. And I think what happened, was, well, I probably did, dude. I mean. I have an ego and I am arrogant. So <laughs> the defense attorney was like, we're showing this. And I was like, tee that joker up, cuz. I mean, it's time to go. I mean, you know what I mean? I probably pissed him off, you know? Yeah. So we didn't get along in that whole deal. He kept asking me the same question, but in another way. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, hey, dude, you've already asked me that. You've asked me that like five times, but you're just changing it. <laughs> I'm like, you know, judge, can you do something? He's like, just answer the question. So I'm answering it. And he finally, the judge is finally like, dude, do you have anything else to say? I mean, he's trying to get it right. The video just showed it on me when he played the video. Exactly. It's done. Yeah, that's it. There's, I mean, there's I no arguing that. That doesn't happen all the time, but that I remember that one because it wasn't that long ago. I think it was like maybe a year or two. And, and they're wasting your time for being there when it's already basically resolved. Now, believe it's me, there great. are times where it's not you know that cut and dry. Of course. I mean, a lot of times. Of course. Most of the time, it's a lot of gray. Yeah. So uh, that was really one where we just, I mean, it was back and forth, mm-hmm. and it was more of a, and you could tell that we were both at each other. You, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, he knows what I'm talking about. Right. Well, where it's like, hey, dude, I mean. It makes no sense why I'm sitting here. You know, I've said what what happened. This is what happened from my perspective. This is what I wrote, which is entirely the truth. And now you have a video of it, but just 
still trying to skirt around it. It is yeah. what it is. Well, to make a long story short, what happened was it really didn't last that long. Maybe a forty-five minute deal, and uh, the dude got—I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It's a misdemeanor, I and mean, he got—he uh, was guilty for fighting. I mean, uh-huh. he got a bond, and that's about. I mean, who cares? But all that that's for the time, all that for that, all that for yeah. argument yeah. and well, name calling. He, call of it, he did it. Cost your time, him money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and I know the guy, you know, in your position, you got a job to do because the dude hired him to do whatever. Of course. Hey, bro, I mean. <laughs> Let's make it easier on everyone here. Yeah, that's what I'm right saying. Thing. Well, what about you, Philip? You got any you got any insight on that? I don't know as much of what you can talk about legally, but, you know, from a, a broad perspective, I'd love to get some insight on your side of the table. Yeah, I'll say that uh, from my end, sometimes we do get clients who, we can sit them down. We can go over all the evidence. We can make recommendations as to how we think they should proceed, and they'll still be hard-headed, mm-hmm. even in cases in which you've got clear-cut video evidence and still insist on taking the case to trial. And at that point, we're ethically obligated to try the case on their behalf. Right. It doesn't right. necessarily mean that we're trying to be, uh, I guess, hard asses with the police officers on the witness stand. We're just... Doing what we're required to do. Most of the time, I do not have clients who do things that I don't recommend. (laughs) Okay, well, that's good. good. The the reason why is because I take the time to sit clients down and thoroughly uh, explain to them why I'm making the recommendations that I'm making. And sometimes I think that defense attorneys get. caught into this time trap in which they think that I've only got 10 minutes to talk to this guy about this case and I have to move on to the next thing. But because they don't spend enough time actually explaining uh, options to their clients, they wind up being stuck with having to try a case they should never have had to try it. Maybe they had taken, you know, 30 minutes instead of 10 minutes explaining the different options, then their client might have made a different decision about sure. whether to go forward with trial. Sure. But and, and, and again, sometimes you've got clients who are, stubborn and will not listen no matter what you tell them but on the other side of that though too man it goes the other way too i mean police officers make mistakes and well i mean we're all human and that's what you're there for right yeah. i mean it does yeah. i mean that well I mean, he's there to protect happens. the rights of the citizens is, you know? but of course uh, I mean, it is that you way. usually have both of you always 99 percent of the time are supposed to have their best interests mm-hmm. you know in mind well i say 100 percent of the time you're supposed to so i mean no matter what side of the fence you're on you're always considering their best interest whether it be you're arresting them because they're trying to shoot you, you know, whatever. You're still trying to keep from having to kill them, you know what sure, I mean? Sure. And detain them properly and get them some help sure. or, you know, give them fair trial, whatever it may be. So that stuff's super interesting. On a level of um, compressing this back and taking it to a level of just life, man, I- I'd love to talk about some motivation stuff as far as what it is that drives you guys every day. You're in two totally different fields, but the listeners are always, you know, talking, uh, giving me feedback basically on what we're talking about, about real life experience and what it is we deal with on a day to day, what drives us to keep us moving. Mm-hmm. Um, we, t- we talk a lot about social media and it being a great tool and a horrible tool. And that's something I get a lot of feedback on. So I'd love to hit on that some, especially in your guys industry, because that's that's a whole other ball game. Now, having it now, I'd love to talk about this, having it existing now versus 50 years ago. Everything's on social media. You as a police officer, all I mean, every time someone's about to get arrested, people pull their phone out. Yeah. And it's like a whole ordeal every time, man. Every time, yeah. And it and I can only imagine having to potentially deal with that, you know, and as whereas you're using it for investigation a lot too. How does that stuff impact your day to day, you know, as far as social media impacting what you guys do are doing? I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. 
Oh, we're not get started on that topic. I could talk for days about that. Yeah, well, let's, let's uh, keep it short though. But yeah. I definitely want to. I definitely want to get. Some, I definitely want to get yeah. some nuts. I will eat a donut this. while he's talking. Yeah, yeah okay. you might want to. No, I'll try to keep it brief. But social media, uh, the things I have uncovered in browsing through people's Facebook profiles would probably shock you. Uh, but Facebook posts tend to be really good for like calling circumstantial evidence in cases, you know, kind of evidence that I can use to kind of prove somebody's intent or state of mind at the time that an incident maybe happened. Yeah. You may have somebody bring an allegation against somebody and then make posts about that allegation on Facebook. Or prior to when the incident happened, they may post about that person talking about how they hate that person or this person's this or this person's yeah. that. And so that goes to state of mind at the time of the incident. Well, that, that happened like later. Intent, right? And exactly. So like you can prove intent because of that. And, and, and people, uh, you know, and, and witnesses are for whatever reason, often not smart enough to just simply not post stuff on Facebook. Well, they, they, I guess they assume that a defense attorney is not going to check the Facebook post, but I do at least. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, I, I agree because I think that a lot of us in society make ourselves guilty and don't realize it by every, all the content we put out. So on a daily basis, you know, in my industry, I'm marketing every day. I'm helping these businesses get their, get their content out on a day to day, but their personal pages may not reflect them properly as they're wanting to reflect themselves being a business status. So there's a lot of conflict there. I can only imagine your guys' industry. But what about on the um, police officer side, you guys constantly being scrutinized about, you know, the way you're detaining people and things like that. I mean, well, what, you know, do you have any insight on that? Any opinion that's not too controversial you want to, you know, uh, talk about? Or? Everything for me is controversial. I, I feel that. I got you. No, in all honesty, uh, it's, it's technology is great, but it's also bad. And more than anything in the last, you know, especially in the last five years, things are changing like super fast. And so uh, for law enforcement, the bad thing is, is that you're dealing with a generation of people who are not confrontational anyway because they're gamers right. or they were given trophies. And I'm not trying to get deep. Dude, I can go. Trophies. No, let's get deep on that because I love that topic. The, the eight, place, eight place trophies, man. But I'm, I'm just tell, I'm telling you because I, I see it in police officers, but I also see it in society. Yes. So it's not just one. There's no, it's not just one deal. There's no accountability. We, well, the deal is there's no accountability definitely in social media. And the thing is, is that everyone has an opinion. Now, in America, you have a right to have an opinion, but the problem is when you're talking about if you're judging what an officer does, that he gets training once a year, that is doing what he does in the moment, and you think it looks bad, guess what? Chaos and violence will always look bad. It just does, of man. There's no, there's no way around it. Are there things that are done wrong? Sure there are. Is there accountability? Sure, but... In the moment or things are going on, the law doesn't look at uh, the law. The law is not going to look back and go, well, you should have done this unless it's just way gross. If that makes any sense. Yeah. However, people are not that way because they don't understand that's how the well, they're not. Is. They're not. Well, they're also not in the moment. They're there to be spectacle. Oh, well, the quarterback you know? had never been in anything. Exactly. And, I, and here's the deal. I don't judge those people for that. No. Okay. So. Well, that's society now. They only know that. Yeah. That's all they know. And so. Yeah. No. I'm not. Yeah. For example, with, uh, you know, a deal that just happened and it's going, I don't know anything about it except what I've seen and then what I've heard. So I don't really know the fact fact. I just know what I've seen. And I really don't police officer or civilian. Uh, I don't, even if I see that stuff, I really don't judge anything because I have learned in my short experience in doing this is that we truly don't know the entirety of anything. So it's hard to make a, for me, it's hard to make a clean judgment about 
well, I saw a video and I saw this. Well, there's there may be more to it because you can't deny it. It happens. You edit stuff on Facebook. You of course. You make things look the way you want to look. Now, not everybody, not everything. Right. News does it. And that's about the cash. It's yep. about the notoriety. Yeah. But the good thing, I'm trying to make this good and bad. The bad. Okay. So my point was, was that in Bozier, there was a police officer that, you know, shot this lady. And she's gone now. I mean, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of it. But I do know this. Uh, people were, there were a lot of people that were pissed off about it. And there were a lot of people that were. And there was really a big divide. Hey, that was a good deal. And then there are other people that don't understand. The the thing with that is, is there's no way you're going to understand what that person felt in that moment and what he fell back on in his training. Mm -hmm. And so if the people who are gross, like uh, they have a problem with law enforcement in general, uh, man, I challenge all of them. I really do, man. Go take a course. Go come out and see what it's like. See what it's like to make a split second decision. One flight for death. And in all honesty, let's just be honest about it. cops nationwide. Doesn't matter. They don't. I mean, I'm, now this is not. When you take an oath, you take an oath to be accountable. So I'm not trying to take away from their accountability. I'm coming from a human level, and that is that uh, they probably get trained once or twice a year, and that comes down to a budget thing. But it also comes down to a time thing. Mm-hmm. And so there are some who do train more because they take time to go and do that. And then there's some that are not. And there's some that just can't. And so you have, for nationwide, especially municipality, I can't speak about a sheriff's office there. That's what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing the best they can with what they have. And that's what the law is based on. And so with this in- instance, uh, you know, this guy, he you know, made a decision to shoot this lady. Well, you know, I don't know the whole deal, but in the moment, where was he at? And me looking back in that video and going, well, he was wrong. How do I, I can't say that. And I'm a cop. I can't say that he was right or wrong because I didn't know what you feel. If you've ever had anyone shoot at you, stab you, cut you, do anything like that, and you have experience in that, you'll know for a fact. And let's just, okay, let's not even go that extreme. If you've ever been in a fist fight before, right. in a bar, in a backyard, they don't relate to that. That you, you can't understand that split moment. No, you don't. And then you have to live with it forever. Yeah, a lot and then that person sits back and quarterbacks impulse. it. And it's, impulse. Yeah. And, and they have to live with it the rest of the life. And, that's right. And that's, that's where, the difference between the person that's quarterbacking it and the person that does it. Now, are they always right? Nope. There are times that, man, things could have been different. There's yeah. no doubt. But are they always wrong? No, dude. No. The majority of police officers or law enforcers that I know, whether you like them or not, they don't go to work to try to kill somebody. Or hurt somebody, they believe they're they're pretty much called to do what they do, or they got a job that thought paid better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're working their way through it, and they're there to enforce what needs to be enforced. Because again, without it, I don't care what anyone says, it'd be The Walking Dead. It just yeah. would be. So you're in this weird place. Here's the other deal. Here's a weird turn. We in America, and this is just my opinion, which doesn't mean two cents. Don't like being told what to do. Of course, so you'll not. never, you will not get along with police officers. Right. You're just not going well, to. Never stop. Not set to be that way. Say I'm, say I'm speeding. Say I'm uh, swerving. I don't have my seatbelt on. Say I'm texting and driving. Say I'm speeding three miles over the speed limit. Yeah, I'm not going to be happy that you pulled me over. Yet you're holding me accountable for what I did wrong. The law is the law. No matter how you spin it, ignorance of the law is never an excuse. 
I know that. I've been in situations. I've been arrested before uh, for misdemeanor for fighting out in in a bar. You know, I've right. been. I've had a uh, underage DWI when I was 18 years old. I'm telling you guys this as listeners because it's okay. You can move forward and still be oh, successful yeah, dude. if you yeah. go through this yeah. this shit. You know what I mean? But. On, on, an, on the other side of it, I can I can appreciate what it is you do because there's a lot of times where things happen, and if a police officer wasn't there, it could go really bad, you know. Right. right. Um, and we're not even going to get on the other thing with you know <laughs> firearms and all. That. I'm not. We're, I'm completely neutral on that level, man. But as far as protecting society and having society's best interests at heart, I really think that's what you guys you know. And, and the, my point is the problem with social media on that end is what you do, what's happening, most people don't understand this, is that, okay, so we have so much information, it's information overload, so in my opinion, we become a little bit uh, desensitized to to everything that's going on. Yeah. And what you're making is you're making a police officer or a law enforcement officer who's actually desensitized himself or herself, and they're not going to act in everyone's best interest. And this is what I mean. They may not make a crucial decision they need to make because they're worried about being judged by their peers I can, because they're watching I can, social media. I can see that. So this is what will happen. And people don't understand this because you're not uh, – and it's not – it's the way culture is, but the truth is, is what you have is, again, two cents opinion. I'm not a sociologist or a psychologist, but I do see it in society. You're going to have the police police withdrawal, and you're going to see some things happen that would have never happened before. And so what do you do about that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I do believe a police officer should be accountable. You should be, man, because it's very important that you know your stuff and do the best you can to know your stuff and do it. However... When you're constantly berating someone, think about a dog. It's an easy analogy. If I constantly slap a dog for nothing, what happens? If I treat an animal a certain way, what happens? They're not going to act at all. It's no it's different. Where they're so scared to act. There should be they're going to be hit no matter what. I yeah, get you it. should I get be that. accountable. That's There's no analogy. doubt. But to say every time someone does something, it's wrong, or you shouldn't have done this, or you should have done this, you should have done this. You have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, you just, I mean, I don't care who you are. You don't. And we, in all honesty, which I'll probably start the pot on this, uh, there's a saying within law enforcement, military, and it is uh, uh, something I've come to try to understand and always don't get it right, but it's sheep. And uh, sheep eat the grass and they eat the cud and they have their opinion, but a shepherd's not concerned about that and neither is the wolf. I don't care about your opinion when it comes down when the shit hits the fan. Makes the best so decision for the for the whole block. You have to do the best you can, and that's hard to deal with when yeah. you're seeing, you know, uh, the people who honestly try to put it on the line for you just be rated constantly yeah. because there's an authority issue. However, uh, I think again that that doesn't stop my motivation. I mean, do you know what I mean? You're still motivated to protect and serve. Yeah, dude, that's still that's, that's, that's the level. Yeah. See, you're able to realize that there there's an issue there, there's a lot of scrutiny there, and there's a constant battle there, but you're still able to overcome that and push forward because you have the people's best interests at heart, and that's what's awesome. Now, Philip, indirectly, you're on the complete, totally different side of that, but, I mean, <laughs> how does that – what he said, how does that make you feel? Because I think that um, you can argue some of that, but at the same time, I feel like we have a good balance. Right. I agree with much of what he said. I mean, as somebody that has the defense attorney mindset, I'm a deeply skeptical person. And so often, you know, you see the media take cases and they give a little bit of analysis, you know, a few facts. And they often don't have all the facts themselves, right? right? right. Because stuff is filed under the seal or it's not available through Public Records Act requests. And based on a little amount of superficial analysis they've done, the few facts they've obtained, 
they're willing to jump to conclusions without having the entire picture like he talked yeah, about. Right. And so, you know, as a defense attorney, that it irks me to see uh, allegations of police misconduct arise and uh, the very people who are talking about it the loudest within the media who don't have access to the full amount of evidence jumping to conclusions just drives me up the wall. Mm-hmm. Because, in my opinion, you're not entitled to offer an opinion on an issue like that unless you have all the evidence presented before you. Mm-hmm. The reason why we have due process of law, we have juries, you know, we have uh, attorneys, we have court systems, is so that uh, adults, you know, through the form of a jury of your peers, can make an informed decision about right. guilt or innocence and not a partial decision or right. a decision that's uh, that's superficial, that's biased. And so, and I've represented a couple of police officers in cases who were accused of having done things that they had not done because, uh, you know, key witnesses weren't interviewed or evidence was left out that should have been examined. Sure. So, and it's, and, and I, I think that, you know, the very fact that we have a media culture that now, uh, hypes up or is willing to, to uh, jump the gun on, you know, allegations of police misconduct, to me, uh, is all the more proof as to why we have to have a legal system. You yeah. Know, but I mean, people trying to have due process of law, because without that, we would have vigilante justice, we would have lynch mob justice. Of course. Justice. Yeah, yeah, and you have, well, honestly. You have, that's, that's human nature. You know, you know people want to jump to conclusions and make of course, assumptions and, about And people. they love it. They love, yeah. you know, they love the attention. Um, I want to go back. I don't want to get deep in the weeds um, as far as what it <laughs> is. Getting deep. No, I mean, that's fine. Deep is yeah. good. But from a perspective of um, broad relation, you know, yeah. it's great to see you guys back and forth because you are two totally different sides of the fence. But working together to get some good content out there. I, what I want to get into something real quick is um, we went we goes back to accountability, just like you said, as a, um, a police officer, Greg. And then, Philip, you as an attorney, you have to hold people accountable. Mm hmm. And so do you, Greg. It's just two different ways of holding them accountable. Yeah. But in your guys, in your guys' industries, I, you know, there's, I know there's always controversy and stuff. Um, I wanted to go into something real quick today that happened. It was completely off cuff. I didn't know I was going to talk about. But um, I do marketing for a living. I manage social medias for businesses. I love what I do. It's a gift and a curse because there's always a negative side to anything you do sure. online because people are always going to try to find the negative. In my job on a daily basis, I have to try to find the negative so I can overcome that. And I have to try to find the negative before we even do anything because I know if we put out content, I better make damn sure that nothing I put out can get any kind of controversy back. And that's really hard because 50 years ago, you couldn't do that. Right. You couldn't You couldn't judge what your end user was going to think because it's something created, you know, and you can't, you don't get the feedback back for six months if you're running um TV or radio or anything like that. But by the time it reaches the masses, you're like, oh, shit, okay, we shouldn't have done this. We should have done this better. So I'm extremely thorough whenever we generate content. But going back to that, uh, I was on social media today, and I don't know if you guys saw the post yet, but I'll go ahead and tell you what happened. I was um, sitting at lunch real quick for a meeting, getting ready for another meeting about an hour later, and I saw a post where someone was complaining there was trash on the side of the road on 3132, which is a loop here outside of the metro of Freeport. And um. What it was, was I saw something generated, like someone generated a post where it looked like they spent time to make the post to make fun of how trashy the side of the road was. Then I also saw multiple posts where people said, I can't believe how polluted this area is. And it just pissed me off. I'm like, you know what? We have no accountability. You took the time to make a post about something and not do shit about it. So I took... 
I stopped what I was doing. I got my vehicle. I went and found where the trash area was. And I started cleaning it up. And I posted about it, not because I want any praise. I don't want praise at all. Sure. I want people, and I'm a drop in the pond, but if one person listens to this and feels like, hey, you're right, I want people to hold themselves accountable for the content they're putting out. Sure. If you're a keyboard ninja and you're talking all kind of mess, but you're not going to do anything about it, then just be quiet because you're only polluting the system more and more and more. I'm trying to overcome the system with positivity and you're throwing negative in there, you know? So I got really amped up about it and amped up about it right now because indirectly that stuff affects society as a whole. And it's like, we're going to constantly create a negative vibe to where people are going to be so scared to post anything about themselves. They're constantly creating these characters that aren't them and portraying themselves falsely to the masses that there's going to be no accountability in society at all. And that's what you're talking about. Walking dead, man, it's going to be insane. And, I feel like we're on the cusp of that. I mean, you know, 10 or 20 years down the road, we're, we're raising a society now that has no accountability. Everything is created. Um, there's there's there the eighth place trophies where people are giving their children trophies for just participating, not holding them accountable, telling them they can be anything, but also holding their hand the entire time and not having to, you know, do any hard work. What do you what do you guys feedback on that? Uh, that's 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 some you know that's where I'm at right now, and I really want to man, get your I input mean, on that. I'm not real old, but I grew up in the eighties. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not old either, man. But I'm just there's some mentality of I'm not yeah, making I'm not making I don't fun understand of people. that. Yeah, you I don't know? understand that. I'm, it's not an age thing. It's it's a it's a mindset. You know, and, yeah, and overall, yeah. like a perspective of like I don't care if you're 18 or you're 50. If you're in the mindset that you, if you're going to just put false information out there or you're going to get rich quick, it's not going to happen. You're well, gonna have to the put deal the time is, Matt, it is a little bit of difference in age. And, I'm, and this is what I mean is that when you came up with a time period when there was rotodial, and I don't know if your listeners know what a rotodial is, but you pick up the phone and go. Yeah, I remember that. You have to wait for the phone to actually get through dialing and then actually ring. Back then, we, I mean. There was nothing that was, uh, I'm not saying I walked through snow or anything, don't get me wrong, but you had to earn everything. I mean, I was working when I was 12 years old, 13. Same here, 13. And, you know, it was just, that's the way it was. There was I was never taught about anything being necessarily easy, and I had support where a lot of people didn't, but uh, I was still made to do things that I didn't like and that I had to overcome mm-hmm. and do, and I did that most of my entire life. There was not so. I guess my point is, is that I have children, and uh, that's the way I teach them as well. I don't, you know, there are times that you hold hands, and then there's times you just don't. And even when you want to, because it's the best thing for them, because life's not fair. It's just the way it is. Life doesn't care about uh, your ethnicity or who you choose. You to are date exactly right. Neither does neither does marketing. Neither does social media. It, it doesn't, doesn't care. It's gonna it's gonna continue to move forward no matter what decision or post you make. It doesn't matter because it's technology and it's it's inevitable. It's right. here. Oh, uh, the the one thing I do have to say about that is, yeah, you have to limit the uh, like. You see these kids that I don't even care. Come at me if you hear this, but you see these kids that they go to dinner. When I used to go to dinner as a kid, and this was, uh, I mean. Uh, 22 years ago, okay, we sat down at the table. We didn't have phones to play on to occupy ourselves. We were self-disciplined or disciplined by our parents to where we couldn't jump around, act crazy, run around the restaurant. But now you have these people who are just handing their children devices, and that's something, you know, to keep them at bay, and there's no discipline there. It's already no accountability is what I'm getting at. Sure. But at the same aspect, they do need to have access to these things because in 10 years – 
these things are going to rule the world. And when I say these things, I mean mobile devices, no, phones, yeah, whatever yeah. they involve into VR in the next five years. They need to know how to operate these things and they need to know how to use them in society. But becoming completely engulfed in them, I feel like may be somewhat of a you know problem, you know, yeah. as, a, as a kid and moving up and growing in the society. Um, Philip, I have a question for you, Sue. I'm correct. I think you have a twin brother, right? I do. Fraternal okay. twin. And so what does he do as a profession? He is a uh, construction worker. So you were talking about the Marine Corps earlier. He was actually in the Marine Corps. He served in Afghanistan. Uh, he was Iron Man in his battalion. Oh, so that's pretty cool. yeah, out of twelve hundred Marines. What does that mean? What does that mean? Most physically fit. Okay, also he was okay, cool. he was uh, very physically fit in the Marine Corps. And I have another brother, my younger brother Amos, who was also in the Marine Corps. He was in that's a cool name. Uh, yeah, Special Forces and Force Recon. He graduated number one in his scout sniper that's school, cool, dude. which is incredible. And this brother is older. He's younger, Amos. younger than that's you. Okay, cool. so okay. So I have two brothers who are Marines, and you know, you were talking about earlier about. Uh, you know, accountability and life circumstances, but we grew up in poverty. Mm-hmm. My parents, right. you know, doing well now financially, but they're in the middle class. Right, but right. when I was growing up, we were not in the middle class, right. but we never allowed our circumstances to dictate where we went in life. You know, right. they succeeded in what they did. I did. I never said that. Well, I don't have a father who's an attorney, so, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to have any any chance at ever succeeding in life. You right. know, I refuse to be held back by life circumstances. Yeah. And, and they were the same way. And I think that uh, perseverance and an indomitable will can go a long way in life. Right, of course. And, and, and grit, dog. And grit, yeah. Let me ask you guys this. We're, we're actually, we spent this pretty quick. We have a short <laughs> amount of time, but I'll ask you something. So, Philip, on that point, what age do you think you knew you wanted to be attorney? Was it later in life, or do you think you just were different? You know, because I feel like this, the way you grew up, you know, yeah. didn't push that. You know, you most of you know you, your two other brothers in the military. Your dad was a blue-collar worker who um, was an entrepreneur in his, you know, area, which basically you said was uh, HVAC. Yeah. Okay. So what, when did you decide or when did you think you wanted to do this? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. I didn't decide to go into the legal profession until uh, later in life. So I actually, you know, I went to university, majored in mathematics. I was a brainiac in school, you know, straight A student. I actually wanted to pursue a PhD in mathematics and do research. Well, then let me, I want to deep root that. So before we get too far on that, um, what really what when did you decide that you wanted to go to college and do something besides what everyone else was doing around you is what I'm getting at. We don't have to go in the roots. Yeah. The, you know what I mean? So probably uh, when I was in high school. OK, so you're in high school. Yeah. Were you different? Did you have a lot of friends? Were you on the side of like a the, the nerdy side? I was on both sides at, yeah. at one point between middle school and high school. So I could say this. I feel like I won't get persecuted for it. Yeah. Were you on more of the nerdy book smart side or were you the athletic were you kind of in between? I was probably in the middle. Okay. Uh, I was, you know, I was nerdy. In high school, introverted. I still am introverted, believe it or not, as a, as a trial attorney, which is it probably seems paradoxical in some ways. But uh, but I also was still popular in school because people would come to me for help with homework. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's the guy I want to talk to about homework. I should came to you. It took me nine years to get out of college. You're right. We're exactly the opposite. I'm like, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. But hey, it took me like for a four year degree, nine years, and you got MIT sitting right beside me. <laughs> Dude, but it's great because we co- cohesively can blend, man. And, yeah. and the thing is, like, well, what about you, what about you, Greg? So, like, what do you mean? What high age? School? What age? No, what age? I mean, high school too. But what age did you? Did you even decide, did you grow up saying, hey, 
You said I, we went back to military, so yeah, that yeah, mindset. Yeah. What age did you knew that you wanted to serve your country? Oh, dude, I, I've been seven or eight. Okay, so that's when that's when you developed that. You were like, like, I'm doing yeah. this, and then when you got, but I was a straight nerd, dog. There was right. nothing about me in school. Hey, I was, I was a nerd too, too man. Straight, which is crazy yeah, because we've all created nerd. Yeah, dude. I was even a cheerleader for just a small bit. What? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a small bit, but my like my, my parents didn't have a lot of money either, so they yeah. couldn't really afford all that, and uh, I did. You know, I didn't go through that, but I mean, I'm telling you, I was a nerd in high school, dude. I was like, well, that's good to hear. I mean, I was too. I don't know what was your grade point average, Philip, when you graduated high school? Yeah, 4.0. 4. 4. What was yours, Greg? <laughs> I was at least a 2.3. <laughs> but you were a nerd. <laughs> I think I was a straight 2.3. But nerd. you were a nerd with. I was a straight nerd. Bro. Okay, but you were a nerd with no, with just no, just no books to go no books. Man. Okay, I just. I was a grunt, man. I've just always been that way. But yeah. I'm cool with that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm okay, that. well, that's cool, man. I always yeah. had to work hard. Uh, not that you didn't work hard. I don't mean <laughs> that. But I always had to uh, do more than others to be to do well in school. So you say nerd? Yeah. Probably not a nerd. More like a, um, just you were just in the in the mix. Well, I remember my freshman year of high school. I was like a class favorite. But then after that, I'd kind of go on the. Uh, the religious route. So I really wasn't one of those people that were, you know, I wasn't hanging out at parties. Okay, so you weren't popular. Yeah, I wasn't a popular guy after my freshman year, that kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of was, I liked everybody, but I wasn't really associated with anything. Now, sports I was, you know, I play, I do sports stuff, but I wasn't that guy that went out. Did you do sports because you thought it would get you girls, or you do sports? I did sports because I enjoyed competing. Okay, Okay, because there's always that, there's two levels, man. I did sports to get the girls. I didn't really care that much about it until later on in life when I wanted to get in boxing and MMA and stuff. But I graduated with the 3.8. And That's I think, awesome, I th- yeah, but I think I'm not, I'm not bragging at all. I think I, I very uh, easily could have achieved a 4.0, but I just, I wanted to be just a little cool. I didn't want to be hardcore nerd 4.0 because right. I still had the social status to obtain, which is messed up. So I was already conforming to society early. Like, I feel like I've had to shift in the past two years to get back on my own and be original because mm-hmm. I started conforming that early because I was already worried about what people thought about me. And man, there's a lot of people out there that think that way. You know, they're not doing what they want to do, but they truly, they're truly passionate about that way, man. Dude, no one wants to live that way. And that's one thing that this, this, this episode, this podcast is so much about is man, no matter what it is you want to do, go do it. I don't give a damn if you're scared or not. It's just like kissing the girl for the first time, man. You were scared to do it. Once you did it, it was over with. And if you're homosexual, kissing the guy, you know, whatever, man, we don't care. I don't care, man. It's. We're all, we're all, we all have passion. I don't care whether it's you want to start your own clothing line, you want to be a, um, a contractor, you want to be an attorney, you want to be a police officer, you want to be in marketing. We all know. I feel like by the time you get in high school, no matter what, you have a kind of an inkling or idea. Right, yeah. I mean, you may not know exactly what you want to do, but you know what your passion is by then. Mm-hmm. You know what drives you, what makes you want to get up in the morning, what you're excited about, what TV shows you watch, right. or what on-demand TV you watch now, what podcasts, radios you listen to, what kind of music. That stuff all blends together and kind of drives you. And I feel like people already know what that is, but they lie to themselves because they're so worried about conforming to what other people's opinions are. Sure. That even family stuff. I mean, I mean, dude, family's a whole other yeah, ball game. So, yeah. We're related distantly, um, Greg and I, and it's like, we have some of the same background and how we right. come up, but that drove us to make it who we are. But I can honestly say, I think on my side, I'm the only person that actually went to college right. on my side of the family. And, and, it's not because I gave a damn about what anyone else thought. I just knew that 
I could overcome where I'm from and not right. be that. Well, that was the same way for my sister and I. I mean, we, yeah. we were the only ones on our side. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like because you knew that you could overcome what everyone's opinion was, and that, that's that been the constant uphill battle for me. And I, I will say my sister's way smarter than me. I mean, yeah. she's almost got her doctorate. Yeah, but you know, she, that's, that's pretty awesome. What does yeah. she do? She's a counselor. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, and, and it goes back to you don't even have to. We have people, three people here that, you know, have attended college, and, you know, no matter how long it took them, they graduated. You don't even have to do that. <laughs> you know, we're in a society now where you grew up 20 years ago that was instilled. 10 years ago that was instilled in your head. Go to high school, make good grades, then you got to go to college. Right. You don't have to anymore. That's right. G-O-O-G-L-E. That's will right, teach dude. you more than most college courses will. That's right. <laughs> Google, man. I mean, it's yeah. the, the information is all there. The infrastructure is there in your hand. So if you can just think with passion and lead to what you're trying to do, yeah, I, I think, you know, you can get forward with that. Well, um, man, any last thoughts, man? I think we have two or three more minutes. Anything you guys want to throw in on that, what I just said? or. I'll let you go first. No, if you you want go first. To. Hey man, go for it. No, I, I went. He went first last time. I'll go. Okay, man. If you're listening, uh, I I can't agree more. Do what you're passionate about. Whatever catches your hair on fire, go with it. Uh, don't be afraid to trip and fall. There's plenty of those. And the best thing to do, I mean, you just got to get up and do it, man. I mean, you didn't. Uh, I didn't get where I'm at just by you know getting slapped in the face. And believe me, there's a lot of slaps in the face. But dude, I mean, who cares if you're passionate about it? You're just yeah. go after it. You know. I mean, yeah. just and do it. I, mean, I agree. Honestly, do it no matter what. I Family agree. can't tell you that. Friends can't tell you that. Only you can. Don't look back when you're, you know, my age, forty-seven years old, and go, "Well, damn, dude, I didn't. You know, I should have done this." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you're still young. That's what's great about what yeah. we're doing now, man. But you're you're still just gonna young. put it to the man. Yeah. You just you know, be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to yeah. sacrifice and get out there and do yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. no one is going to give you anything. You make it a break. Yep. You make it a break. There's no doubt, man. That's because. You worked hard to get the break, or it was just good timing. Yeah, if you think you're going to wake up and have a million followers, yeah. or you think you're going to wake up and get that promotion, yeah. or you think you're going to wake up and just magically achieve or graduate, or just wake up one day and just get that dream job, it don't yeah. work that way. No, if you think that you're going to go to Starbucks and wear a man bun and, <laughs> and think you're going to make a million dollars, there may be one or two people in America that do that, but that ain't going No, it don't work that way, man. It's hard work and effort. you got to put it in. Man, Philip, you got any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll second what he said. Uh, I think it's important for people to be authentic to uh, you know society and to community, but also to themselves because you can't be authentic to society if you're not authentic to yourself. I agree. Uh, you got to understand you know what you're about know yeah. your, know your worth yeah um create your own road show you know your highs your lows your joys your sadness that that's you that's what life is all about it's about experience it's about you know having fun along the journey and it's, it's important to not lose sight of that so yeah yeah how many people do we know that you know maybe it be parents aunts uncles grandparents they're at their point in their life now where we know they weren't happy doing the day-to-day right and now they're sitting there whether it be on their deathbed or retiring because it's just time to and they're regretting all the things they didn't do right i don't want to be that person i don't think most of us want to be that person everyone has it in their head that they think they're going to achieve and do great things but they don't want to work for it and if you do to get your ass up let's do it man get up an hour early every morning get up 10 minutes early every morning stay up after everyone when everyone goes to party Stay at the house and work on your shit, right, you know, right. whatever it would be your business or just educating yourself so you can be better in your field. Mm-hmm. Let's let's you know, let's mix it up. Well, I got I got some gifts for you guys. man. 
That's I want to show some gratitude. You know, man, that was that was a complimentary, man. So, so um, so we get two gifts. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's right. So, Philip, I'm gonna give you yours first. So, you're very well educated. I know you like to read. I didn't know what else to get you, man. Hey, I like to read too. Hey, man. I wouldn't have, well, hey, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there. Maybe maybe you can read what I'm about to give you. Maybe you can read what I got. If you can read what you what I'm about to give you, then you know we'll, we'll talk. Right. But um, Philip, I got you this. So it's uh, the little black book of lawyers' wisdom. That's I thought it was cool. Um, because I I'm sure a lot of the content you read to you know study your profession is all super by the book stuff. This is some philosophical stuff dating back to the 1700s from famous attorneys. So I thought it would be cool to give you. That's pretty cool. Awesome. And then, I appreciate that's pretty cool. Greg, you have the best hair in the business. I so I felt it only right to give you this badass hairspray. That's what I'm talking about, dude. Y'all can't see hey, this. This is 1821 hairspray. Hey. And I make my stuff stand up. Hey, he can read. That's right, man. That's right, <laughs> Well, uh, it was great to have you guys on today. I appreciate it. Thank you. And um, this is my third podcast, Frequency Interrupted, with DJ Thomas. I'm going to ask all you guys to please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening.